0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message.
1: Nehemiah chapter number 8, will begin reading in verse number 8. The Bible says, So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tersitha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord." neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, "...unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in Booths, in the feast of the seventh month, and that they should publish and proclaim in all their cities, and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mount, and fetch olive branches, and pine branches, and myrtle branches, and palm branches, and branches of thick trees, to make booths as it is written. So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, every one upon the roof of his house and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and the street of the water gate and the street of the gate of Ephraim. And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was very great gladness. Also, day by day, from the first day until the last day, he read in the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day was a solemn assembly, according unto the manner. Amen. And let's pray. Our Father, we love you. Thank
0: you for your word. Please speak to us and help us to listen, help us to be receptive, help us to understand, and help us to apply the truths of your word to our hearts and lives. And may we put it into practice this week. And uh, may we experience your blessing that comes from hearing your word and your blessing that comes from obeying uh, these truths. We pray now you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Nehemiah chapter 8, we started last week. And uh, in this chapter, we saw number one, we saw the request last week. There was a request. They said, we want to hear the word of God. We want you to read the Bible to us. And so Ezra, the scribe, opened up the book of the law and began to read. That was number two, the reading. And I'll tell you what we need in our nation, what we need in our homes and our churches is we need more of the word of God. We don't need more of opinions. We don't need more of ideas. We don't need more of of this person said this and well, let's try this. No, let's just get back to the book and what we need is the Bible. We saw the reading. Then number three, we saw their reverence. When they opened the book and Ezra began to read, they all stood. Now, we, when Brother Dan reads the Scripture, we usually stand, and we don't stand every single time the Bible is read, or you'd be doing a lot of up and down during the sermon, because I try to have a lot of Bible in the sermon, and so, but you, if the idea is, the point is that we ought to have a respect. We ought to have a reverence for the Bible. Uh, you may not respect my opinion. You may not respect what I say, but I'll tell you this, you ought to have a respect for what God says. And there ought to be a reverence. And we have lost that in our society. I believe we've lost that in our churches. I don't know if it's because of television. I don't know if it's just because of short attention span or what it is. But I feel like that we don't have that respect and reverence for the Bible like we need and like we once had. We see number four, their response. When Ezra read it, the Bible says he himself. He started getting happy. He blessed the Lord, and all the people said, amen, amen. They lifted their hands. They worshiped the Lord. They bowed down with their faces to the ground, and they responded. I told you last week, that sure sounds a lot like a preaching service where the preacher preaches, the people respond, the Holy Spirit convicts, People respond and come to an altar or come to a pew or right in their place there. You get on your knees and you, 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 you cry out and you, you, you seek the Lord. You say, well, pastor, God didn't really speak to me in a service. Well, maybe there was not any particular sin that God convicted you of. Although I think we all, I know we all have sin and I know the Holy Spirit's working on all of us, but even if there's not a conviction of sin, I hope there's just a reminder of how good God's been. And I hope that you can get happy in a church service just to say, hey, I'm glad I'm still saved and I'm glad I know the Lord and I'm glad for the blessings and the goodness of God and the people responded. Number five, I want you to see as we continue in our series today in uh, Nehemiah chapter eight, I see number five, the reasoning. It says in verse number eight, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly. And gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Now, this is really what preaching and teaching is all about. We read the scripture and then we do our very best to cause you to help you to understand what the Bible says. Some people think that this book is a mystery. Some people think that this book is just so complicated and it's so deep and it's so complex that that nobody can understand it. You couldn't be further from the truth if that's what you think. God did not give us his word so we could be confused. God gave us his word so that we could understand it. God gave us his word so that we could understand it and we could live according. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number uh, 17. Notice the end of verse number 17. I've got to make sure I, I drive this point home and I didn't say in the early service and I meant to. It says that all the congregation of them were come again out of the captivity. They made booths and they sat under the booths. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. It says, for since the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, unto that day had not the children of Israel done so. There was something that the children of Israel had not been doing, but God's word said they were supposed to do it. And so they got back to doing it and noticed the result, the end of verse 17. And there was very great gladness. You wanna know how to have joy in your Christian life? You get back to doing what God said to do, and I promise you, you will have joy. I promise you, it will change your outlook. It'll change your attitude. You won't be so focused on your needs and your problems and your burdens. You'll be so thrilled that you're doing what God has called you to do. God promises there's a blessing for those that hear and that obey his word. The Bible says there was very great gladness. Number five, we see in this passage here, we see their response. Verse number uh, four, excuse me, number four, the response number five, their reasoning in verse number eight. The reasoning, he, he caused them, he helped them, he aided them in understanding the reading of the word of God. The word understand, it means to discern. It means to perceive. It wasn't enough just to read the Bible, but Ezra wanted to make sure that the people understood what the Bible was saying. Now, the Bible tells us in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, there are 13 people that are listed specifically besides the Levites, besides Nehemiah, besides Ezra. You know, we have in our church, we've got a lot of people that are enlisted in helping you to understand the Bible. We have Sunday school teachers. We have junior churches. We have pastor's pals. We have master clubs. We've got bus ministry. We have a different people who are trained to help you and to help me understand the Bible. I can't think of a greater privilege than to take a Bible and to help somebody understand the word of God. Isn't it a great day when the lights go on? Isn't it a great day when you understand and you say, oh, I never saw that. I never understood that, but I see it now. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that Philip was on his journey. And the Bible tells us that Philip came across the Ethiopian eunuch. And when he came to that, that man, the Bible says that that man was reading from the book of Isaiah. And Philip approached that chariot and he asked the man, he said, do you understand what you are reading? It's interesting because the man's answer was this. He said, how can I? except except some man should guide me. He said, how can I understand it if I don't have somebody who knows what it means? Show me what it means. And that story tells us that that man was gloriously saved. And he got saved and he said to Philip, he said, hey, here's water. Why can't I get baptized? You know what? He was understanding. It was coming together. It was clicking for him. He said, I've been saved. It's time to get baptized. Well, here's the Here's the beauty. Did you know there's a lot of people in Roanoke Rapids? There's a lot of people in Gaston. There's a lot of people in Weldon. A lot of people in Littleton. A lot of people in Halifax. A lot of people in Garrysburg. There's a lot of people in this area that if they had somebody that would explain it to them, they might get saved too. There's a lot of people that are looking for answers. They're looking for something, but they don't have an understanding. It doesn't make sense. It's It's not clear. The Holy Spirit's working on them. But can I tell you this, the Holy Spirit ought to also be working on us, that we would go to those people and share with them the gospel, how they could be saved. We must help others to understand. I won't give you all these references, but I'll give you a couple quickly. The Bible says in the book of Daniel that God blessed Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. He gave them understanding of all matters of wisdom. The Bible tells us that Daniel had an excellent spirit and with that excellent spirit was knowledge and understanding. We ought to, as Christians, we ought to have an understanding of the things of God. You ought to know more of this book today than you knew last week at this time. You ought to know more about this book today than you did in 2021 or 2020. There ought to be a a, a continual growth in understanding the scriptures. Now, nobody's adding to the Bible. And if they are, it's not the Bible. We've already got the whole Bible. But all of us ought to be growing in our understanding of the Bible. I have here, I have my my cell phone, and occasionally this phone will give me a message that says it's time for a software update. How many of you know what I'm talking about? First of all, I'm skeptical of a software update because I know how to use this, and I'm afraid if I update, I'm not going to know how to use it. I'm also fearful because sometimes you do a software update, it doesn't work as good as it did before the update, right? But can I tell you this, you and I, we ought to be asking God to continually update our understanding. We ought to be growing in our understanding of the Bible, but you're not going to understand the Bible better until you read it. And I'm not gonna understand the Bible better until I read it. You can't understand something you don't even know. Does that, does that make sense? Are we, are we on the same page? Are you, are you with me? You've got to read it so that you can understand it. I've, I've sat in some, Brother Dan was in Sunday school. He gave us a math problem in Sunday school. And don't think it was an easy math problem. It wasn't an easy one. It was a hard one. And he gave us a math problem. And you know, I've sat in some math classes where I've had teachers that would explain something and I'm thinking, I'm trying every which way, Brother Graham. I'm trying to figure it out. It doesn't make sense. And then all of a sudden, the lights go on. Can I tell you, the lights have never come on for me about something that I didn't know, about something that I had no idea about. It came on when I studied and I read and I worked at it And I tried to figure it out and then the understanding came. Well, God gives understanding to those that seek him. God gives understanding to those that seek his word. God gives you the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of you that helps you to understand what God has for your life. We need understanding. Colossians says that she might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I... I could go around the room talking about different subjects, but I'll start with one, computers. I do not know a lot about computers. As a matter of fact, I know very little about computers. How many of you are with me on that? You you, you know about the same I do about computers, very little, all right? Put your hands down. How many of you think you know a lot about computers? We wanna identify you, because if we have problems, we're coming to talk to you, Brother Mitch. All right, so there's the computer man. If I can't figure something out with the computer, I just go ask Brother Nathan, right? That's what we do, Brother Dan. We go ask Brother Nathan. Brother Dan's pretty good, too. He might be able to figure it out. But can I tell you this? I may not know a lot about computers. You may not know a lot about computers. You may not know a lot about mechanics or construction or any of those topics. But every one of us, as children of God, we need an understanding of spiritual matters. Did you know, you ought to understand, if you've been saved for any length of time, you ought to understand what a preacher or a teacher is saying when they say grace. When someone talks about the grace of God, you ought to understand what that means. You ought to understand what it means when we say salvation. And you ought to be able to explain that to somebody. I'm not saying you have to teach a 20-minute lesson, but I'm saying if somebody at work asks you, they said, hey, what's this whole thing about salvation? What is that? You ought to be able to explain it to them. We need spiritual understanding. When someone says, hey, what's this list of these these things I read about? The fruit of the Spirit, love. You ought to be able to understand and explain what love is. By the way, this world knows nothing about love. This world actually, this world believes that love and lust are the same. They're not the same. They're opposite. Aren't you glad that God's love is unconditional? God's love is not, he loves you if you do something for him. God loves you no matter what. And God wants us to love one another. If I say I love you, and then you don't do something for me, so I say I don't love you anymore, I never loved you. I was just trying to get something out of you. But you ought to understand these terms. You ought to understand what sanctification means. You say, that's a big word. I know, but it's a Bible word. You ought to understand what the word holiness means. You ought to understand what what does the word justification mean? And you say, well, I don't know all that. Well, it's interesting. We know the stuff that we're interested in. We we know the stuff inside and out. If it's hunting or if it's fishing or if it's computers or if it's uh, this hobby or that thing, we ought to have an understanding of the things of God. By the way, every Christian here and every Christian that is watching the service online, every Christian that is listening by way of radio, you ought to understand the fundamentals of our faith. Now, I'm not saying that you have to give all the points of eschatology and you have to explain everything about the rapture and the tribulation and the millennium. And I'm not talking about that you have to know everything. But you ought to know the basics. Did you know every Christian ought to know what it means when we say we believe in the virgin birth of Christ. You ought to understand that. You ought to understand what it means, the deity of Christ. What is the deity of Christ? You got to know that we believe. Because the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is God. It's not, here's God the Father, and then here's Jesus, and then somewhere over here, here's the Holy Spirit. Absolutely not. We believe in a trinity, co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal, the persons of the Godhead. That's what the Bible teaches. You need to understand that. You ought to understand that we believe in the bodily resurrection. We believe that Jesus, yes, he died on a cross, and yes, he was buried in a tomb, but after three days, he rose from the dead in his body. We're not talking about his spirit. We're not talking about, well, you know, he hid the spirit of Jesus still lives among us. Oh, no, he came up out of the grave with his bodily resurrection. You ought to have an understanding. You say, well, how do I get an understanding? You read the Bible. You study the Bible. I have in my office, I have a lot of books. I have a lot of helps. There are two books that I use more than any other books to study the Bible. Did you know you can get those books? You can order them online. You can get many of those. You can get on on an app on your computer or your phone and you can use those. I have a Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Now, I wouldn't recommend you try to carry that around to work. It's a pretty thick dictionary. But that, that dictionary, it helps you if you're taking words from the King James Version of the Bible, which is the version of the Bible that we use. It's the version of the Bible that we believe is the inspired word of God for English-speaking people. And that Webster's Dictionary will help you to define some words that maybe we don't use every day today. That, that dictionary will help you immensely. I also have a Strong's Concordance. That's Strong's Concordance. I've got it on my shelf. I've got it on my computer. And you can look up a word and you can learn, it, see exactly what that word means. You can see where that word is used other places and that'll help you. Say, well, I don't want to work that hard at it. Well, if it's something else you want to understand, you'll work at it, won't you? You'll study it. You'll read it up. You'll look it inside and out. But we need an understanding of the word of God. As you study And as you read and as you grow in your understanding, I would encourage you to pray and ask God to help you like David prayed in Psalm 119, verse 18. He said, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Ask God to show you. He wrote the book. He knows what the book's talking about. He knows how to help you understand. He is the great teacher, and he can help you in your understanding. Number five, we saw the reasoning. Number six, quickly, I want you to notice the rejoicing. It says in verse number nine of Nehemiah chapter eight, it says, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. You see, the people were weeping. The people were, they were crying. The people were in mourning because... The Bible was read and their sin was identified. Their sin was exposed and the people were were crying. And by the way, I think it's a good thing to cry over your sin. I think we need more of that. Most people only cry when they get caught. Most people only get cry cry because they don't like the consequences. But when we get honest with God, we realize that it is our sin that put Jesus on the cross. It is our sin that separates us from a holy God. And sin ought to be something that we take seriously and we get right. So the people are crying. But here's here's what's so great. The message is given to these people in verse number 9. And it says, hey, don't mourn, don't weep. Verse number 10, then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, Now, there's a good verse. If you're thinking about going on a diet, it says, eat the fat. So we're not talking about healthy food here. And then it says, drink the sweet. You know what that means? It means if you have the choice between unsweet tea or sweet tea, you know which one to choose, right? Or if you have to choose between drinking your coffee black or adding creamer and sugar to it, you no, 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 that's not what it means. But here's what they're saying. They're saying, hey, this is a day of rejoicing. This is a happy day. This is a good day. This is not a day of weeping, but this is a day of rejoicing. How come? Because we have the Bible. We have the word of God, and we can understand this book. Neither be ye sorry, verse 10. That word sorry, it means don't be depressed. Don't be be grieved. Don't be be all, all gloom and doom. Don't be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, I tell you, we need some Christians that'll get happy again. We need some Christians that will will show the world that being a Christian is the greatest life. Knowing Jesus, it doesn't get any better than knowing Jesus. It doesn't get any sweeter than walking with Jesus. And there's a rejoicing here, number six. Oh, how we need rejoicing. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. That phrase, the joy of the Lord, it's found in the book of Matthew talking about heaven where it says, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. How many of you know there's gonna be some joy in heaven? Hallelujah. All the, all the tears will be we wiped away. There'll be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more pain. What a day of rejoicing. But the Bible also says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 that you and I can experience the joy of the Holy Ghost. Did you know when the Holy Spirit is controlling your life, that's going to be a life of joy. That's going to be a life not of depression, not a life of misery, not a life of drudgery, but that's going to be a wonderful life when you know the Lord and you experience the joy of the Holy Ghost. Psalm 19, the Bible says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You want a simple recipe this week, how to get your joy back? Why don't you get in this book right here? This book brings rejoicing. David prayed in Psalm 51. He said, Lord, would you please restore unto me the joy of thy salvation? There's joy in salvation. Maybe you're here today and you haven't lost your salvation because you can't lose your salvation, but you can lose your joy. Maybe you need to get that joy back. I'm glad that there is joy in serving God. There is joy in understanding the Word of God. Number seven, we see not only the reasoning, number five, number six, the rejoicing, but number seven, the rock or the refuge. Verse number 10, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, that word strength literally means to have a rock or a place of refuge. I'm so thankful that we have a rock we have a refuge, we have a place where we can get our strength renewed. I don't know what's gonna happen in our country. I don't know if all the cars are gonna be electric in 10 years. I don't know what's gonna happen with all that nonsense. And if if you've got it all figured out, God bless you. I don't know this. But I know if you're gonna run a car, you gotta have a source of fuel, you gotta have a source of power, right? Right? Unless we're going back to the Flintstones days, you know, and they're all gonna be uh, self-propelled. You know, you gotta have something. I know this, every Christian has gotta have a source of power. Every Christian has to have a source of fuel. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Let the joy of the Lord be your rock whereon your life is built. Lastly, number eight, I see in Nehemiah chapter eight, I see the reminder. It's found in verses 14 through 17. This word is found several times. It's the word booths, B-O-O-T-H-S. We're not talking about a booth at a restaurant. We're not talking about the old-fashioned telephone booths. How many remember those telephone booths? Remember that? You had to find a, a payphone and find a telephone booth. We're not talking about that. But these booths that God's people were commanded to build, these were like tents. They were like, uh, like shelters or maybe like a lean-to that you would add on to a house and they, they would take these, these, uh, these boards and these, these structures and they would, they would set them up and then over the top they would put branches. And the Bible says they went out and they gathered all kinds of branches to put over the top of this booth. And this was a reminder for them of what it was like when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. You say, well, who would want to remember that? Who would want to remember the wilderness where we were were outside, we had no houses, we had uh, no walls, we had no protection, we had no security? Who'd want to remember that? Well, it's good for all of us to remember what God's brought us through. It's good for all of us to remember what God's done in our lives to bring us to this place. I don't know... I don't know about you, but I think it's, it's neat sometimes to go back and you drive by a house where you used to live, or maybe you, you go by, I don't know if, if, if you do this or not, but I wonder for some of you, if you enjoy walking through that fellowship hall and remembering these, that used to be the auditorium here at Lakeview. Maybe some of you like to drive by the avenue and you like to remember, you know, that building where you used to go to church, or maybe you go by the old country church property and you see that, and, and, and it's good reminders. We don't live in the past, but we thank God for his provision and his blessing in the past that brings us to this place. But the children of Israel, they constructed these booths. Now, they didn't go out camping out in the woods. They were supposed to set them up. Some of them set them up on the roof of their houses in in the city. Some of them set them up outside their houses. Some put them in the streets. But they were supposed to build these booths, these temporary dwelling places to remind them of their wandering in the wilderness. Hebrews 11 tells us that the children of Israel, that they dwelled in tabernacles or temporary structures. The Bible tells us that the children of Israel, in Hebrews 11, verse 13, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. And Hebrews 13 reminds us that we, are not going to stay here forever. We have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Now, here's my challenge to you this morning, is let's realize and let's understand and let's remember today that all the things that we're doing right here, we're not doing it for here. We're doing it for there. But We're not doing anything permanent for this earth because we're not staying here forever. You say, well, I want to have something to pass on to my children. Wonderful, your children may not be here. That trumpet may sound and we may all be be gone. We may all be out of here before the day's over. So this is not where we're going to live forever. Colossians says it like this, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. My wife and I and our family, we, were, we went away for a couple days this week. We went on a trip and my wife does, she does really all the packing for our family. Um, I pack my own stuff, but that's you know it's enough for one. She does enough for, for the, the children and for her. and so. But in, in most cases, I gotta be careful what I say. I said something in the early service that I maybe shouldn't say in this service because she wasn't in the early service. But how many of you fellas, how many of you know that when you go on a trip, usually, not always, but usually your wife wants to take more stuff than you want to take. How many of you, is that true? Now, don't get yourself in trouble. I see a lot of hands, a lot of brave men raising their hands. Okay, that's not always true, but sometimes it's true, right? So, thank you, Pastor, for for the help here. I, I didn't want to be left up here all by myself. Um, And by the way, I may need a place to go for lunch, brother, so I don't know if you got any food where you're staying. But can you imagine this trip if my my wife and I, just the two of us were going to take a trip, so not the children, but just the two of us, and I uh, I borrowed uh, Brother Dan's pickup truck, and I said, Brother Dan, I'm going to need your pickup truck because my wife and I are going on a trip. And so she comes out with her suitcase, and I come out with my suitcase, and she puts it in the back of the truck. And I said, Joanna, we can't put that in the back of the truck. We got more stuff coming. And she said, well, who else is coming? Just, just, just the two of us. But I said, we got to put that in the back seat of the truck. We need to leave that, the bed of the truck empty. And uh, she says, okay, well, fine. But she's trying to figure it out. And so then I go back in to the house and I actually call Brother Dan and I uh, call a few of the, the men in this area here. And I say, I need your help. I need your help moving some stuff from my house to the truck. And they say, are you moving? I say, oh, I'm not moving. Just going on a little getaway, a little three-day trip. And so they come in and I say, now guys, first thing we need is we got to get this recliner. We got to get this recliner out of the living room. We need to put this recliner in the back of the truck. And I'm not talking about because you've seen it before in Roanoke Rapids. How many of you have seen people driving around with a recliner in the back of their pickup? Raise your hand so you know I'm not just making this up. I've seen it. It's been a while, but I've seen it. And those people were not moving either. They were just having a good time, you know, enjoying life in the back of their pickup with their recliner. So I bring the recliner, and I put the recliner in the back of the pickup. And my wife is thinking, what in the world is, what's wrong? Well, she already is wondering what's wrong with me. But now she's really wondering, what is wrong? And so and then the guys are, they're all confused, like, what in the world is wrong with pastor? And so we get the recliner in there, and they... Push the, 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 the tailgate up and close it. I said, oh, No, 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 we're not done yet. Said so the place where we're going, that cabin we're going to, they just have one of those small refrigerators there, and that's not going to be big enough. So we need to take our refrigerator. So we, we load up our refrigerator. We take our refrigerator and put it in the back of the pickup truck. And, and these guys, by now, they're thinking, This guy has lost his mind. We've already got a recliner, we've got a refrigerator, and they're going on a three-day trip to a cabin that's already got a place to sit, and it's already got a little refrigerator. What is going on? And you'd say, Pastor, you're crazy. Why would you take that much stuff for such a short trip? I want to tell you this, our life down here, this is a very short trip. Very temporary. As a matter of fact, our life is as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. But where we're going is not going to be a short trip. Where we're going is going to be forever. We'll be in heaven, the Bible says, for all of eternity. There is no end to that trip. And so why would, I, why would I pack my recliner for a three-day trip? Or why would I pack a full-size refrigerator for a three-day trip? You'd say, that is foolishness. But I want to remind you today, that's the way some Christians are living. We're trying to accumulate all the stuff, and we're trying to pack all the stuff, and we're trying to take all this stuff with us. And in reality, you're not going to take anything with you to heaven that is temporal. The Bible says you don't take anything with you. The only thing you can do is you can send it ahead and you can lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, but don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Here's the reminder. These booths were a reminder to the children of Israel of the time of wandering in the wilderness. That wasn't where they were supposed to stay. God had a promised land. God had a beautiful place prepared for them. And those booths were temporary. This life is temporary. Let's live this temporary life with eternity in our focus. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org.